Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to the after party, baby, where I have a wiggling puppy in my jacket, so I'm not really sure how long this episode's going to last, but hey, what's <laughs> up, everybody? I'm Amanda. It's it's Thanksgiving dinner right now, and Amanda has brought a puppy to yeah. it, and I think that's pretty rude, because it's this pumpkin is inside of the turkey, and I think that's pretty rude. <laughs> uh, but I think that it's festive because it is a pumpkin. Wait, the, pu- the puppy pumpkin is inside of the turkey? Yeah, because he's eating it, not because they cooked him. Oh, yeah, okay. like one of those situations where like you take it out and then like you turn your back and then you look back and then the dog is like eating the ham. Yeah, like, the puppy is inside the turkey. Oh, it's like a it's Monica old. Geller situation. Yes, clearly. Sure. <laughs> I no, no, it's not. <laughs> All right, the scene's over, Brandon. No, it's not. Damn. Uh, hi, everybody. Welcome, welcome to the innermost sanctum of the divine labyrinth. Um, that's what I used to say when I took dates home, question mark. I don't know. I'm feeling weird. Most of what I've eaten for the last few days um, is is just kind of scraps from the fridge in preparation for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, and My mom's so, not going to listen to this. You can say whatever you want. Uh, no, I know. Uh, and... <laughs> And two week of coffee. Uh, so you know we're just we're just rolling. We're just if we inviting. sound different, we are recording this in my mom's basement. Now, does it have an incredibly large TV and soundproofing? Yes. Mm-hmm. Are we still in my mom's basement? Yes. Is the ceiling <laughs> still unfinished? From what I can see in the video, it is. Yes. Yeah, dog. <laughs> I am looking at some pipes that go to various places in the house. There are floor joists. But because she and her husband met working for a speaker company, uh, high quality speakers uh, with like audio jacks I've never seen. And I'm kind of an audio engineer at this point. <laughs> uh, and it's uh, it's pretty exciting. Uh, Julia and Brandon, how are you doing? How was it watching people watch and listen to these shenanigans that we recorded first separately and now together in the Divine Labyrinth? I enjoyed listening to what you all got up to while you were in the Divine Labyrinth without me, which was very fun. But I also was very stressed listening to, not even like listening to you guys, but like being off the call and like my headphones on the other side of my desk and still hearing screaming. And I was like, (laughs) oh God, oh no, that's not good. These are like my favorite moments because yeah, I get to, before the audience hears it, but before my other players, like co-players, hear it, who didn't play it. Like, I heard what Julia did before Amanda did, because mm-hmm. I got to edit it and before the audience did. And so, so I'm it's hearing just that like Brandon a... loves knowing things when I don't know them. <laughs> and... <laughs> no, it's, it's very cool to listen to an episode uh, and be like, oh my God, that's what happened to Julia. Yeah. I was like, man, Julia had a tough one in episode 28 while we were having just like various adventures. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It does make more sense. I do like that you say various adventures when, like, you two realize that your companion had a divine quest to kill the other. Yeah, that was tough. Didn't see that one coming. Um, was just, that just, tough for just you? Fun. Just fun. Just fun. I mean, we wouldn't have let it happen. <laughs> Unlike Brandon and Julia, I didn't like that I knew something you didn't know. And so when we when we finally discussed that, I was very relieved. But we gotta we gotta get to where we got in order, people. So let's begin, of course, with episode twenty eight, where we separately met Panorama, or uh, Havana got that divine revelation that we talked about, and Julia got a a very cute spirit lamp. 
Eric, lots of questions here about just like what's up with Panorama's whole thing. And also, what the fuck is wrong with these birds? Like, what's happening with these birds? What's up what with exactly the birds? is wrong with them? I mean, Skolas was like, I, I got to know what's happening with these birds in particular. So uh, what can you tell us about Panorama and the birds? Yeah, is there anything uh-huh. you can reveal, actually? Like, can you, like, are we there yet or do we need to wait till the end of this arc for you to tell us what the fuck is happening? Uh, okay, well, Panorama built or grew the divine labyrinth mm-hmm. she's and, the daedalus yeah she is the day da- she is the daedalus <laughs> that was the funniest thing when umby was like do i know this person i'm like it's like you're looking at plato pretty weird <laughs> pretty weird <laughs> just ran into plato yeah you know like bill and ted's excellent adventure when all these guys show up it's like that <laughs> yeah on that note it's me danny b wanted to know if any of the players rolled history not just umby could we have known that panorama was like a figure we would have known I simply just didn't think to do it. Well, just because Panorama had a model in our actual history doesn't mean that they were a figure in the Green Folks space. You know what I'm saying? She might have been. Might have been. The thing that I was more trying to get at was it was like, it's weird to know. That's why I was saying Plato. It's like, it's weird to know that this was a dude. Like, you know, um, Julia, you played the Assassin's Creed Greece one game right i did too i oh, did, did not too. actually so uh, ask brandon about it oh, okay. i did but like, brandon wasn't it funny how like all of a sudden you were like doing a fetch quest for like plato yeah it really <laughs> and, was. Like, he, and he was like can you get like five honeys for me before i wrestle a dude yeah not one really <laughs> horny guy i forget his name who's just always yeah. horny and drunk I, yeah they're always horny and drunk or even like Pliny the Elder, you know, where we get all this like medieval medicine yeah. from. Like that yeah. was a real person. Yeah. And it, it's not to say that whether or not Panorama was known or a mythological person like Daedalus. It was more like uh, this person who only existed in the 12th century turns out is a person. That yeah. was more of like the it wasn't about knowing them or not knowing them. It was more about like the feeling of understanding that this person of history was was real this mm-hmm. person like, that we mythologized is actually like a real person that we can talk to now yeah regardless of whether or not you you are aware of the mythology itself mm-hmm. it was really similar to like in the game when plenty the elder was like hey i'm plenty the elder isn't that weird do you want to hold this bag hey <laughs> hey hey <laughs> hold this bag Hey, hold my bag. <laughs> Eric, Pliny what the was Elder in the bag? was like Pliny the Elder was like, yo, if you have gallstones, hold this bag. Uh, <laughs> and and here I quote after party question from Mage Silverleaf. What was in the bag? What was in the bag? <laughs> what was in the bag? Uh-huh. Yep. Oh boy. Can you tell us anything about those birds? Dem birds? Uh-huh. Oh boy. Panorama Panorama's afraid of the birds. Oh guys, the and arc gave isn't you, over. and wanted you to hold something. Oh boy. Yep. Cool. Mm-hmm. Oh cool. boy. Cool. Once again, is it more satisfying if I tell you or I don't tell you? I think it's more satisfying if I don't. Yes. Not I is. mean not to <laughs> me, but <laughs> we also have a few episodes in the maze, so I don't know if you want to reveal that yet. <laughs> I Okay, the the question surgeon, Michelle Spurgeon, oh, okay, Michelle. Uh, took some scalpels to this episode um, because she wants to know a couple of things that I was really curious about, too. One, was Havana actually hearing the planter or was it perhaps Panorama since she could see everything happening in her maze? Can Panorama see everything happening in her maze? I don't know. I thought that was an interesting thought, though. Panorama was like aware, was more like, oh, I built the mousetrap, so yeah, I probably understand what you're doing. I don't know if Panorama can see everything, but also she has the name Panorama. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Tough. Yeah, Havana it's not was. not like Eric ever names things in a way that should give us a clue. I will <laughs> say, it's just a cool name in general. Yeah, it yeah. is. 
it was also like vaguely Greek too. I feel like mm-hmm. Panorama yeah. has Greek roots, so it I is. also thought that was I've, in terms of Daedalus. I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, whoever made that name, pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Havana did talk to the planter. This was like when you have to talk to the water company when your water's off. Yeah, uh, is how mm-hmm. I envisioned it. Or like calling so. yeah, yeah. up Con Ed if your electricity goes out. True. True. True facts. Dr. Spurgeon also wanted to know, was the labyrinth, in fact, designed by Panorama mm-hmm. or was it designed by the planter? And I'm adding on to Michelle's question, like, what makes it divine uh, and who else is cursed in this labyrinth? In my mind, if I can just extrapolate and then Eric can give us a real answer. Please. It feels very Noah and the Ark and how God gave Noah the plans to build the ark and then was like, but you got to build it. I can't just make the ark for you. Yeah. God, I hate it when God does that to me. He's like, here's the plans for free energy, but I can't just fucking build it for you, dude. Mm-hmm. Fucking build it, man. <laughs> I'll give you the specs, but you got to figure everything else out. Uh, first of all, when God talked to me and when she, by the way, she, uh, when she told me you should make an actual play podcast in 2017, I'm like, but I don't want to. Seems bad. We've been, uh, this is a little bit of a tangent, but <laughs> Lauren and I have been watching that new Monarch show, the new Godzilla show. On Apple oh TV. really? And every time we talk about Godzilla, because we weren't sure what Godzilla's gender was, we do that. We're like, oh yeah. Then when she comes up from the ocean, <laughs> that's so much funnier for Godzilla than for God. <laughs> that's so funny. A plus. That's very funny, Brandon. Joking for you. Thanks. There you go. Um, yeah, I, I think it's like that. Yeah, I don't think you know. I don't think there's more to say. I think just the details there, kind of that that sort of vibe. Yeah. What's in the text is what we got. Yeah, I'm dead. Hey, hello. My name is the author. I'm dead. And uh, and it's just there. Love it. Post-structuralism, baby. Okay, let's go into episode- Isn't Dungeons and Dragons really like having a zombie as your author? Coming to NYU English tomorrow. God, I wish. 2026. Would someone just hire Eric to teach? He has a master's in education. Just hire him as a professor, Please, please. Please. All right, getting into episode 29, we meet the riddle stump, we get the salt, something genuinely <laughs> helpful <laughs> this, and valuable. This episode probably, and I know that I'm going to say the same thing about episode 30, but this episode might be a quintessential episode of Dungeons and Dragons, a quintessential Dungeons and Dragons session, and also of one of our episodes of Join the Party. It is just like everything you want from a session of game. Say more. Well, it's like, you know, there. I gave you a puzzle, you found other stuff, you dealt with the puzzle however you dealt with, the dice rolls were involved, you also were engaging with kind of the core mechanic of the arc at the same time, and you ended up getting to a goal that you've been working towards for the last few episodes. So I think this was pretty quintessential, and also I really, I certainly enjoyed myself. Mm-hmm. I also mm-hmm. enjoyed myself. Yes. I also enjoyed myself. My favorite part that we've been quoting since we recorded that episode is, I fucked it. (laughs) (laughs) We've been saying that so much. So often. It's so good. For months, guys. For months. Matt Lino wants to know, uh, importantly, Eric, did you know beforehand that the stump would have a hot video girl game bod? (laughs) Yeah. In my notes for this, I did write down the stump will have a magical girl transformation. I did not know in episode 29, but okay. I realized it was funny. Uh, it would be funny if, if they had a transformation once they went to the Grove. Plus, you had to give them a reason to follow us around the Grove, yeah. too. I knew that they were going to be involved because the thing was like, 
again, I wrote this down. The stump was always on the liminal space of the grove and the rest of the labyrinth. So I always knew the grove was going to be inside of the... Julius is getting fucked by the sun I know, right hold now. On. <laughs> Just keep talking. I'm going to fix it. I saw, I saw it happen, and I'm like, oh, that's so And she's wearing a shirt that makes her look like a skeleton, so... A lot's happening. Sure. I like it. Julia's it getting, goes. her bones are getting bleached. It's, yeah, it's, messed it's up. true. Um, yeah, I always had the notes. So I knew that the stump was going to be in there. I just thought it would be funny for them to like have a different form inside of the grove. Be like, you're saying my true form. <laughs> Did uh, Is the form more a Laura Croft Tomb Raider situation or more an anime girl situation? Like Laura Croft uh, in the first computer game. <laughs> Brandon, I was oh, going to yeah, say yeah. incredibly Triangle. polygonal chest. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they announced during a Nintendo Direct recently a sort of remastering of that game, and I'm like, mm-hmm, they still kept the pointy boobs. Did they really? Mm-hmm. You can switch between <laughs> the original graphics and quote-unquote newer graphics. That's amazing. <laughs> and it's really upsetting. That's it really upsetting. funny. Dr. Spurgeon wonders, how is Havana feeling about being told to get rid of the person who has shown him the path? Hmm. Uh, can I, can, let me throw this to Julia, who did this to herself. I did do this to myself. The, uh, the author of this situation. I want to give credit where credit is due. Yeah, I assume this wouldn't have necessarily happened if we had chosen like Black Hat or whatever, right? No, 100% not. Okay. No, no I did this to myself, just like <laughs> Eric that's, said. That's why ever reckoning. since Julia applied the amber to this, I've been laughing about it. <laughs> that's fair. That is fair. That is fair. I do want to circle back to episode 28 and one of my favorite moments, which was a choice that I didn't struggle with, but had to fight back my immediate like player reaction to what Cammy would do. This is frustrating to me, not frustrating in a bad way, but frustrating in like a constructive character way. But having Cammy be an extremely kind person, that is how I'm trying to play Cammy, an extremely kind person who has also been threatened to be murdered by people who love her in the past. Having Havana be like, oh yeah, you know, I might have gotten a divine quest Mm -hmm. from the planter saying I have to potentially kill you. Cammy being like, you're still my friend, but if you try to kill me, you can try. <laughs> that was my favorite mm-hmm. line of, of yours in a long time. It was <laughs> really, you. really good. If you good. try to kill me, I will end you. <laughs> <laughs> I will end you. I was, yeah, I was wondering. That's why I was playing it so nervously. Because, like, Havana doesn't want to tell you. That's the thing. It's like, what is Havana supposed to do? It's like, okay, here's my friend. And then also, the god I worship is telling me to do this. So... I'm going to wait for as long as possible until I have to decide what to do? Mm -hmm. Question mark? Or wait for the opportunity to present itself, you know? Right, Mm -hmm. exactly. Uh, Relatedly, EP Fellow wants to know, given that Havana is having a big character arc in the last few episodes, I have to know, Eric, did you have any plans for the potential arcs of other variations of Havana? Um... No, the way that the way that I do this stuff is like I give you three choices and then once you make the choice, then I go from there. There are certainly things, larger things that I need to plan as far ahead as possible. Like I know a lot of stuff that would happen at the end of this campaign, but these things have to be on an episode by episode basis so that I can make choices. And Julia, the true author of this particular arc, like y'all did it. And it would have been different. Yeah, Havana really inserted himself into this. It's like Julia grew the maze. Mm, it was Julia. Julia's panorama it was Julia. the whole time. It was me. I'm panorama. 
Can I ask a question about 28 before we fully go on to uh, everything that went on in the Grove? Sure. How did the three of you feel listening to each other dealing with Panorama? I thought it was funny that we did the exact same thing. My favorite part was was when I had this written out, Panorama, and I knew that when one of you did the, the thing where you ran into a denizen of the, the maze, I knew I was going to do it. And then I realized I could do it to both of you <laughs> at different <laughs> times, which I was like, hell fucking yes. So Umbi and Troy went first and then and then Cammy went second. How did you two feel listening to it? I, I thought it was hilarious. I just... I thought it was, I guess, like, sort of ironic, maybe, even, I don't know if ironic's the right word, but that we sort of mind-melded into the same exact people, where we're like, this bag? No. <laughs> it's also not frequent that Brandon's and my skepticism is anywhere near as close as Julia's uh, in a given situation, and so I was proud of us in retrospect for not uh, trusting Panorama. It was good, guys. I was very worried that Troy was just going to be like, oh, sick bag, and just take it. (laughs) Nah, I got pockets full of sawdust. I don't have space. That was so funny. The funny thing is that, like, if Panorama had been like, oh, shoot, I dropped my journal. Would you mind holding this bag for a second so I can pick it up? I would have been like, yeah, totally. (laughs) That's true. I would have just done it. (laughs) Who knows what would have happened. That's very funny. Yeah. No, it was it was really fun. It's it's very cool to see how I mean for me especially how Julia would approach a situation because like there are like I think Brandon handles combat super super well and like all of the ways that you uh, make sure that your resources are best deployed and like thinking Stop. about how to fit in. No, it's true to like all of us in initiative, but Julia approaches situations in a way that is so like creative and thinking about how she can like check and optimize and you know look out for how to she's making a little whomy face oh yeah um and so seeing just seeing julia approach situations i'm like taking notes essentially as a player um and not just on plot but like how you should approach things as a player so it's always so lovely to me when i get to see that yeah agree i also forgot how mean panorama was at times cammy approaches every situation like this is my new best friend this is the potential to like meet someone who is going to change my life forever and i really appreciate that and i want them to feel as good about this interaction as possible and then panorama was really mean and cammy was like oh okay (laughs) so we're doing this you want to give me a weird bag um hmm. i've been cursed once before i'm not gonna do this again (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, it was sick. Um, my comparison point for this, just to give you some comparison point for what I was thinking, I was referencing this character in an old uh, old season of Dimension 20 where it was the one with all the all the guests where they did like Lord of the Rings mm. and everyone were villains from like a Lord of the Rings style fantasy setting. And there was one NPC that Brendan Lee Mulligan did where it was a guy who was like a world famous or like legendary blacksmith who was really worried that someone was going to steal his bones and like the water was going to steal his bones yep makes sense because he he was like inside of a cage in water for so long that he was worried his bones were going to evaporate Mm -hmm. and he was like okay well you have to interact with this person because he is going to make you the crown that you need for this particular ritual you're going to do. And I thought Panorama was similar. It's like, if you want to interact with Panorama, the person who created the the puzzle you're inside of, <laughs> you are going to have to deal with this absolutely insane person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, do you know whether or not, uh, is she actually insane? Are the birds real? Are you going to take the bag? Do you, are you going to believe her? Is Was kind of like the whole thing there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Eric, without confirming or denying, players, do you think the birds are or will be real or 
is Panorama sort of just like in a curse situation? Like, um, what's his face who who pushes the boulder up the hill? Sisyphus. Yeah. Uh, I'm operating as if they are literally real. What do you think, Julia? Yeah, I have to assume that there is some sort of like magical bird that we just don't know about in the the labyrinth. So why didn't you take the bag? Because I think she's going to fucking give us bird seed and make us a target so she can escape. She Uh. also spent a lot of time being like, make sure you push your slower friends down so the birds get them first. I'm like, that could be the slower friend in that situation. She's trying to make me the slower friend. If you look around and you're on the ground and everyone else has run away from you, you're the slowest friend. You're the worm. Also, if she is so concerned about the birds getting her. Why would she give us something that is going to, like, that is potentially a resource that she's no longer having that she's giving to us? It was on, I just want to, I just want to lay out. It was on her waist. It was in a bag. Y'all assumed it was birdseed. I never said it was bird. I never said it was birdseed. We truly do not know what is in there. It could be the bodies of our enemies. We know. Yeah. Now I assume it's salt because, interestingly, metaphorically literally uh salt has been a very useful and valuable weapon against the harvester and maybe now looking back that's part of what she has i don't know maybe yeah i don't know i don't don't know know. i don't know if i trust her or not the fact that it was a fail is basically a fail role when we got to meet panorama both times so that makes me yeah, concerned we don't know. that that's it, right it's yeah. not a good thing i also don't know like what her what panam Panamanama. I don't know what Panorama's relationship with the Harvester is. You know, if it's like antagonistic mm-hmm. or if it's symbiotic or mm-hmm. what. Or she grew him or. Yeah. yeah, we don't know. We simply don't we know. We simply don't know. We also don't know something that Venus Moon asked, which is I really liked the idea of the salt repelling the Harvester because IRL, of course, salt harms plants. Is this purely an arcane interaction or is the Harvester somehow more prone to salt poisoning because of his roots? Yeah, both. Yeah, you got it. You got it, Venus. Nice. nice. Good, job. Yeah. Good job, Venus. Nice. nice. The whole thing about the Harvester being roots and salt I thought was appropriate. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Also, I listen to Spirits podcast, A Boozy Dives and the Myths and Legends. Every week we we pour a drink and talk about Harvester and Fire. I was so close. I'm Amanda and I'm Julia, and this is episode 300. (laughs) I'm Amanda and I'm Julia. That was spot on. We actually recently. That was. I was. uh, Hang on, hang on. Breaking news. Oh, okay. Uh, We recently switched it. So uh, instead of me saying I'm Amanda, first Julius. Well, I say that, and then Julius says I'm Julia, but then Julia starts the episode. Whoa! Because we realized it's silly for Amanda to start the episode. Why, Why do I know what it's about? When I all I know is the title of the episode, then Julia teaches me the thing. Yeah. So anyway, huge, huge, huge. sixty-seven episodes in. You can make changes to your podcast even three hundred and sixty-something episodes in. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Are y'all ready to get into the grove? Yes, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah, Let's get in the okay. groove with the grove. Wow. This might be my favorite episode we've done in the arc. I know I just said it for 29, but this one might be <laughs> Wait, the best on. episode we've we done We didn't so far. talk about the riddles for 29. Oh, yeah. We have to talk about the fucking okay, riddles. Okay, let's do that first. <laughs> yeah, hey, folks. Hey, fucking folks. You goddamn three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These riddles were supposed to be impossible. So we did it, is what you're saying. We, we, we did, did it. So would we had to have figured out a different way to get into the grove. Yes, the thing would have been, or someone would have told you explicitly the answers. Well, someone did. It was our (laughs) GM. No, that's that's, no. It was your incredible roles. I made the DC twenty five. Well, 
No, we rolled two nat 20s in the first two, and then the last one, the DC was 25, and we didn't hit that one, but I got the answer You said right. it. You I'm like, what am I going to do? I, yeah, you would have, like... You would I if I wouldn't have said no. I think that was pretty close. I think that yeah, was yeah. pretty close. So Eric, tell us about the riddles as a, as a a mechanic in this game and b a thing that you actually like mechanically put together. No, I want to hear Jewel whatever Julie is going to say. <laughs> oh, I was going to ask when you say someone would have had to explicitly ta- tell us the answers to the riddles. Did you yeah. think maybe we would return back to like Panorama and ask her or something to that effect? I had a few ideas of things you could have done. One mm. of which was go to Panorama mm. and ask what explicitly the riddles were because she would have known. Mm. Mm-hmm. Hey, Amanda, you can't just ask NPCs answers to questions in Dungeons <laughs> and Dragons. Hey, you Amanda, can. you need to roll for things. Well, okay. In this specific situation, <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, you definitely can. I, the, the thought, I'm saying that because the thought literally crossed my mind. Who can I ask what the answer is? And I'm like, Amanda idiot you're doing a ttrpg podcast people don't want to hear you just ask what the answer is we gotta roll dice (laughs) that's where i was also i was waiting for it too because like it would have been it was so funny that each of you met this person individually and then you would have went it's like oh you know who would tell us for help oh hey you know there was a weird flower lady we met what i was waiting for that (laughs) moment but it happened in a different way Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i i would not go back to a person that was like hey hey look at me Look at my eyes. Hold my bag. Hey, hold my, <laughs> hold my bag. I think at that point we would have been like, in exchange for taking the bag, you yeah. have to tell us the answers to the riddles. Yeah. Unless it's like Fuck a that. drunk girl in a bathroom, in which case I'd do anything for her. Yes. <laughs> she has to pee, but her purse is so big. <laughs> Imagine everyone rolled like below an 18 on that oh, first yeah, yeah. riddle. Because I think the fact that you rolled in at 20 and got the riddle, the first riddle, gave you all too much confidence. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. It did. It did. It did. Let's come back to this later. It's like, ah, fuck it. We'll, <laughs> we'll just run away from the harvester, make them make their life harder, and then come back. That was actually one thing that surprised me about Julia's parts of the Divine Labyrinth episodes is we just like directly engaged the harvester so quickly and they like attacked us and we attacked them that Julia being surprised that we had not just run away mm-hmm. surprised me. Um, and I so, it, right. Like it, Brandon, I was like, Oh yeah. I mean, almost killed Savannah NBD. That happens every day. Like uh, it happens. <laughs> yeah. Cause well, we had the conversation of like, can we even fight this guy? Like, right. Like we wanted to see if it was something we could actually defeat or if it was like a, immovable object that we needed to somehow otherwise avoid and Mm -hmm. julia the smart one on the podcast was like this is clearly not something i can defeat right now yeah yeah, yeah. we were like let's try but i think it's different because julie because cammy saw it from a tower and be like oh gotta avoid that dude Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you two you two got fucking kool-aid manned by the harvester so i think it was just different situation different situations being set up even if it's like the same nah it's because we're it's because because julia's smart uh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, I was thinking of it video game style and how there's a lot of games where like the whole point is don't get caught by the giant boss in this mm-hmm. level. Yeah. One yeah. Mr. Xtifer. Yeah, Mr. X Mr. X is a really good version of this. Yes, Brandon, that was hundred percent one of the references uh that I was thinking about. That's from uh Resident Evil Oh, two? one of them. Two? two? I, think I think it's two, two three. It's yeah. one of the. It's one of those where like there's a guy who's like a bio, a bit giant bio weapon who's running after you and killing you perpetually. Yeah, I mean it's good. It's good video game design. I stole it. So it was. <laughs> uh, I thought it was really the harvester has just been a fun. Fun. You fell into my trap card. This is. I'm serving you a lawsuit, Eric, for stealing Mr. X. 
Oh no! Piss! You admitted it. I'm going. Sorry, we can't continue the podcast. I'm going to jail. (laughs) Oh no! You can run for president from jail, but you can't DM from jail. That's true. That's That's a fact. That Eugene Debs proved that. Mm -hmm. It's. It would be so expensive too. Those phone calls, you know. Come to join the party. We're the one with the commentary about the prison industrial complex. <sighs> a collect call from. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I could get fucking MailChimp for that. I'm not going to lie to you. Get them. That's so funny. Oh, my God. Anything else on the riddles before we move into the grove? Yeah. I mean, the whole thing. So the first one was obscure. The was supposed to be just obscure. The second one was again was a translation error, and the third one was supposed to be totally just out of left field. Yeah. Um. But that's where Brandon lives. Yeah, Brandon lives. In the you field. shouldn't <laughs> ask a chaos monster a chaos question, Eric. Yeah. That's fact. No, no, that's on me. So yeah, I think that you all got so much empowerment from that first net twenty that you didn't. I really did like. We ended. I ended up recording this later, but I'm like Julia. The only way you would under know the like final things of creation is from a deep rhyme that is embedded in your brain that you only learn from like from like uh outdoor school which is mm-hmm. what I'm calling path <laughs> which is what I'm calling path path religious studies for children that's very cute um and like that's what you did and you wrote it out and then we had to, we inserted it later and I thought that was really great I was very proud of the poem I wrote your poem was yeah. fantastic Thank people you. liked it too yeah it was tight I just opened up rhyme zone I'm like all right let's come up with good words <laughs> that rhyme with all these things <laughs> That was tight. Um, but yeah, I mean, I yeah, I had a lot of ideas. Like, you could have gotten into the Grove in a few different ways. But getting the riddles and then making the Harvester a bitch was not one on my list. Gotcha, gotcha. The image of the Harvester, like, throwing themselves against the Salt Circle to get the Scythe back is is one of the kind of prouder moments of, like, D&T creativity uh, that I can think of from our years on the show. Mm-hmm. I was very happy with how I tried to solve that problem of the harvester and the salt. You mean the way you initially said it was like put it on the entrances or like the circle? Uh, I was very proud of... Just the idea in general? Yeah, just like using the salt in the way that I did with my magic mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. getting the scythe away from the harvester. I thought that was... Yeah. That I, was, I was very proud of that. You should be, yeah. The single most mad that I've been so far has been when the salt circle was broken and I hit you and I and I did like 30 points of damage and you're like, oh, that's not so bad. And I'm like, <laughs> Julia, fuck off. <laughs> yes, it is. It's bad. I was very concerned that I was going to have to get a Troy situation where yeah. I was down and potentially very close to the end of my HP. And that's why I think in the episode I said, oh, Captain Copernicus Cobb mm-hmm. is waking up somewhere. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Eric, how did you decide that the salt circle had been disrupted in the scuffle? Yeah. Is that something you rolled? Is that something that you Yes, I rolled, on? I rolled okay. on it. I, I really try to roll as loudly as possible so it gets picked up on the microphone. But <laughs> yeah, fair. I rolled and... Who, whatever happened with the salt circle happened because of the role that I made. Mm. Yeah. I guess my more specific question is um, just because like what in your mind, I guess you can't really get at this without it being a spoiler, but like, is it just a bunch of us are fleeing and it's likely that someone may have tripped or like this is a, you know, unstable, impermanent sort of shield that I need to see how, you know. No, I think something happened. I mean, that's what happened in episode 30 was like when when Cammy was checking shoes mm-hmm. was like, yeah, Havana does have salt on his shoes and there's a lot of it. But like 
doesn't everyone have sand on their feet when they walk in from the beach? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it doesn't look great, but it also is circumstantial. And that's what I was rolling for. Yeah. Very fair. It's just an idea that popped into my head of, you know, this is perhaps a way to escape direct culpability, but kind of like make something happen for like the thing that Havana was tasked with, and like a convenient way out right, of his right. uh, dilemma. So, yeah, that's a good motive for Havana, <laughs> but it sounds like the evidence is circumstantial. So. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Not something we'll have to reckon with down the line. Definitely Certainly not. not. Certainly not. Yeah, and it's a good thing. And I'm, I, again, I'm really sorry. Again, I, what I want to say is that I'm really sorry that I put Cammy and Havana in such conflict. Like, it was really <laughs> rude for me to put that on the players. And yeah. I think that I was really controlling the narrative. That was really sorry. all your fault. Um, <laughs> and I think you have to come to terms with that. Yeah, now I'm making everyone. It was my choices that mm-hmm. led, led to such conflict. Yeah, 100%, right. yeah. I'm sorry. Well, I'm sorry Eric, about that. The, the least you can do is go refill this trio of dips, will you? <laughs> yeah, I'm in the basement. I got to go all the way up to the kitchen. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. Can you stop, get some stop, Foley? Stop, 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 stop. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, hey, um, we're out of the red pepper dip. Like, Mom! Mom, go, I need red pepper dip. <laughs> More code red. Hello and welcome to the mid-roll. This mid-roll is the equivalent of a dog napping on your feet, keeping them warm, which we didn't have during this recording because, you know, dogs can be noisy, uh, but I sure did afterward. Thank you and welcome to our newest patrons, Cumulo Nimbus and West Erin. We are so grateful for your support. The only reason we can put so much time and energy and love and care and devotion into making Join the Party the dozens of hours that Eric spends every month planning it and Brandon spends editing it and Julia spends editing these after parties is all because of you and you letting this be one of the ways we make a living. So if you want to be a part of that, if you want to, for example, buy a present for somebody, buy them a year of Join the Party Patreon support. Hey, you can do that at patreon.com slash join the party pod. You can do it for yourself, do it for a friend, or you can join on a month to month basis, whatever makes sense for you. We are so grateful. You get all kinds of benefits like the patron only discord where we had tons of photos of people's holiday meals for those that celebrated and all kinds of dogs and plants and projects and crafts all the time and party planning and so much more. Go ahead, join today, patreon.com slash join the party pod. And hey, by the way, if you are attending PAX Unplugged or you live in the Philadelphia area or you want to visit Philly and you've been looking for an excuse, let us be your excuse. Multitude is going to be at PAX Unplugged. We're going to have a table right outside the main show floor. Come by, say hi, get stickers, get cards, come challenge one of us to a game, perhaps a tabletop game, perhaps a card game. Who even knows what's going to happen? Get an exclusive pin. Anything your heart desires, you can come do with us at PAX Unplugged. We are also doing some programming. Eric is on a great panel and we are doing our NPC creation lab. So that party planning segment that you've come to love with Eric and Julia making NPCs on the fly. We are doing that live in person at PAX Unplugged. So come say hi, find Multitude outside the main show floor in the Brandland tabling area and come to our shows. It's going to be so much fun. 
This week at Multitude, we would love for you to check out Pale Blue Pod. This is an astronomy podcast for people who are overwhelmed by the universe but want to be its friend. Every single week, comedian Corinne Caputo and our own astrophysicist, Dr. Moya McTeer, demystify space one topic at a time. And if you're somebody who finds space fascinating, amazing. If you're someone who finds space kind of overwhelming and terrifying, if you think about it too much, that's definitely me. Pale Blue Pod is the show for you. They have new episodes every Monday. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, I am definitely already feeling the sort of overwhelm of the end of the year season. I am looking at like the number of working days before the (laughs) New Year's Day and uh, kind of freaking out a little bit because this year really brings a lot to uh, the focus, like this time when you have to decide about traditions and families and stuff you're going to do and prioritization and saying no to stuff. Hey, I hate all of that and I need a lot of support to actually do it. And that is one of the things that I turn to therapy for. And especially this time of year, it can be so difficult to balance uh, seeing somebody in person, finding a new therapist. It's like everybody is away already for January. And it's like, no, I, I need your help right now. So if you are looking to start therapy or looking for someone who is convenient and flexible and suited to your schedule, you can find that at BetterHelp. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash join the party today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash join the party. Finally, we are sponsored this week by Ravensburger Jigsaw Puzzles. And if, like me, you are planning to see people over the next month or so that you don't normally see, or maybe doing some traveling, maybe finding yourself uh, at home with some extra time on your hands or in someone else's home with extra time on your hands, I highly recommend bringing an activity. Uh, We often buy Legos and do them at Thanksgiving. And I always bring a puzzle whenever I go spend time with my grandma. It's really fun to do together, and she loves it. We have a little puzzle swap going on, and it's incredibly uh, exciting and wholesome and sweet. And having a couple puzzles tucked away in, you know, the closet or in your suitcase so that you know you can do something that is, like, social and occupies your hands, but you can have TV on or music on in the background, it's just just perfect, y'all. And Ravensburger has given us a chance to talk about how much puzzles are great uh, because they are our sponsor this week. They have become an integral part of families' lives across generations. And you too can share the joy of puzzling with family and friends, uh, knowing that those puzzles that you buy, if they're Ravensburger brand, will stand the test of time. I have literally decades old Ravensburger puzzles at my grandma's house, and we still pull them out and enjoy the art and the puzzles. And they look like we just bought them yesterday. It's truly amazing. So if you're up for the challenge, shop Ravensburger in your local game, hobby, or toy store today or on Amazon. They are the bomb. Thank you, Ravensburger. Enjoy. And now let's get back to the after party. Okay, I'm back. My mom drove me to Kroger and I got um, Mountain Dew. Uh, they only had Gamer Fuel, but I think that's pretty close. God damn it, um, Eric! No, Gamer Fuel's good. It's my favorite. And I, <laughs> but I got four dips to make up for it. No, it is all in one. Unfortunately, it is all in one container, mm. so they're stacked. That's just a layered dip now. <laughs> yeah, but it's like more. It's like more than eight layers, so it's pretty cool. Tough. That's pretty tight. It's like a trifle, friends. <laughs> <reference>. <laughs> 
there there is a Taco Bell next to the Kroger that has been advertising for three full years. Announcement: We now have breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the banner is bleached by time and wear. And now it's on their signboard, like their light up That's sign. So like they corporate needs you to know about breakfast. <laughs> Um, before we get into this next section, I do just need to point out and have everyone clap and applaud for the utter expertise that Amanda showed on how to put an umbrella into a beach. Oh, thank you. Thank oh, you. I loved that. Thank that you. was it's so like, good. It was very good. You know the survival things that I've learned on a Delta flights multiple times? We do. <laughs> we do. Like, this is the Amanda's <laughs> equivalent. <laughs> Yeah. It's like how to set up a beach day. It's this. It's uh, Riptide Awareness. Hey, hey. You see what I did there? there? Mm -hmm. Uh, And techniques for carrying bricks across a yard. (laughs) Those are the things that I was tutored in as a child. Also packing a cooler. Oh, yeah. Don't get me started on packing uh, roughly Check's Watch 2002 uh, Denali Suburban. I'm glad because we really hit a lot of these in campaign two and the (laughs) campaign. So I'm glad that we're finally rounding you out. There was much more of a gap of silence in the recording after Amanda (laughs) said that. I just thought that it sounded like something broke, so I had to shorten yep. it. <laughs> Thank you. And what did break was our brains. Yep. It's true. True fact. It's, it's true. It's true. DM me. I'll tell you all about it. So lots of great questions about the Grove, but first I want to turn to my fellow players. Uh, what what did you think about this? We've, we've heard about it. We've been getting to it for several episodes now. What stood out to you? I hope that we hit all of the things that you wanted us to hit, Eric, because it seemed like you had a lot of stuff that we could do in the Grove. Yeah. But also, but also, I think at that point, Cammy was so done with this stump. I think at one yeah. point I said out loud, I'm like, this stump talks too much. Cammy's left. Mm-hmm. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> the stump was ended up being so funny. I just loved being the stump. Uh, much like as Julia said before, like Cammy is constantly being yelled at by people who want her to leave. But she's like, I literally can't. You're asking me to do things I can't do. The stump really was the apotheosis of that. And I was really, really enjoying it especially as the stump like boobily ran around the the grove mm-hmm. this is very good i know the stump then became like the campiest drag queen in my head and i just yeah. really enjoyed it yeah it was a real transformation between 29 and 30 <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> brandon what stood out to you before you got um as glass cat owl put it treated out of i the know grove. that's so good well done treat treated well done. treated yeah there's like this interesting like sort of like push and pull where it's like eric clearly meant for this to be like the Garden of Eden where like, you know, sort of a reverence situation but also like we went through this harrowing like annoying and uh, death-defying thing to get into the grove and then the grove was like uh, guarded by this weird stump creature. Like I don't know. It was was just I think I was just sort of like taken aback by the whole situation and I was mostly curious about like what fun features Eric was going to give like in terms of like Mm -hmm. what Eric was going to like add and like which ones were meaningful and which ones are just sort of like fun side things for us to like look at you know Mm -hmm. I don't know Mm -hmm. maybe they're all meaningful and I just we just don't know yet but or maybe they were all just for funsies yeah we don't know it's kind of a non-answer but will you hold my bag No, unless you're a drunk girl in a bathroom, no. (laughs) I never want you to do anything. 
Like, especially with these sort of scenes where it's like, okay, this session is going to be like a bottle episode. It's going to be in this place. Like, do whatever you want. Right. Um. Yeah, I had some stuff. You certainly missed some stuff in there, but that's okay. It's not a huge deal. The more thing about this was like Umby and Brandon share a don't tell me what to do streak. And mm-hmm. then, oh, uh-oh, uh-oh, consequences of my actions, uh-oh, uh-oh. So... Uh, like, that's just what happens. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm not doing anything to Umby. It just fucking, that's what happens. It follows, yeah. yeah. Lovingly, thank God Cammy was there. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, I don't, like, I think, like, you're 100% correct, and there was no other way that would have gone, could have gone down. Because it's like, right. one, I'm thinking, like, I don't really know what the actual, in-game, like, in-character, I don't really know what actually this is. Is it truly the Garden of Eden like, is the planter really, is this actually a holy site or is it like, like we're still discovering whether or not that's actually true when we get in there, right? Yeah, I I 100% agree with that as well. Yeah. So Umbi isn't sure. And Umbi, you know, his people like to classically mull over things in their brains on long walks. So he hasn't had time to think about it yet. And then two, <laughs> like, I ran into this person who's sleeping who like clearly needs some sort of assistance or at least wants to like you know like wake him up and be like yo is this okay like do you need help and who else am i gonna ask the fucking stump who talks in riddles like (laughs) good point good point strong point so you know i don't think there's any other way it could have possibly gone but yeah it's funny when you're playing any game like this like whether you're talking about a tabletop rpg or you're playing one that has dialogue choices you're playing like Fallout or Mass Effect, you have to decide if you as a player are skeptical. Then you have to decide if you as a character are skeptical. Mm -hmm. And then you have to decide what you're skeptical of. Because I think if you then become a skeptical character who is, then you're just paranoid. Mm -hmm. And then people in the world think of you as a paranoid person. But as a game, I will set up scenarios, of course, where you can't trust what's in front of you. Like, this is a a social deduction game just as much as it is anything else. So that's just, it's the push and pull of all of that happening. Again, nothing you do is ever wrong. I'm right. I'm only saying this because LOL uh, Umby got treated, but it's like <laughs> man, the stump. Yes, if on face value, the stump said don't do something. Umby explicitly did it, and then consequences happened. But everything Brandon said is also 100 percent true. Is this a holy site, or is this co- a quasi holy site, or is this a a presentation of a holy site, like the theme park next to the book depository? Like right. what is it, right? Exactly. And then like fuck the riddles, you know. I will also say the stump did not explicitly say don't wake up the the monster. The stump just well, said, you didn't give them the opportunity to. I, well, the stump also didn't want to tell you that that Gloria turned into a monster. Well, but what, this is my point: is like the stump just said, "Let's be quiet." Not didn't say why. So like that's sketch, you know. Like if the stump was like, "Hey, heads up!" Like you know, this person, this happened. Blah blah blah. Don't wake her up. I would have been like, "Oh, chill." Like we'll figure that out. Later. I guess this, the stump also didn't want to tell you. I, know. I think that's all. And also, so the stump doesn't trust you either. Exactly. I think is also kind of the situation. Yeah. yeah. In a lot of these situations, people are not a hundred percent forthcoming with all of the information. Right. And that's just choices you make. Yeah. yeah. You could have made you could have made insight rolls. You could have poked around a little bit longer, but it, it's fine. Like whatever. The choices are the choices. The funny thing was more that like immediately Umby went went. 
what? <laughs> With a smug look on his face, tried to confront the stump and then got yeeted. Like, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 that's what happens. I'm just glad we didn't have to do a boss battle in the middle of the grove. That's just my hot take. I don't think he was confronting the stump. I think he was trying to rescue the old the old lady. <laughs> and she did, in fact, get rescued. Um, and we had a question here from Dominique um, about, Eric, what was it planned originally for Gloria the Warm Woman? There's no way you knew about the lifting curse from Cammy. So yeah. what would have happened? No, I did not know. Um, I will say ever since I had the option to get remove curse, I've had it in my cards because yay. I saw it and I was like, you know what Cammy would 100% have prepared because mm-hmm. of her own situation? Mm-hmm. Remove curse. Yeah. Hell yeah. I think this is also the thing, though, is like this explains why the Divine Labyrinth is so annoyed at Cammy. Because it's like, mm. oh, no, I don't like the smell. I, hey, I remember this sound. This is when I had termites in my house three years ago. <laughs> like, that's kind of the feeling. So I think maybe this is putting some of that in context a little bit. What would happen? Yeah, I think what would have happened is I had it written down in my notes, but Gloria would have turned into the monster and the monster would have been in the labyrinth as well. Mm, is, is ultimately what, what would have happened. Gloria would have woken, woken up, turned into the weird mushroom thing and then would have been another another like harvester in there. Would the monster and the harvester be at odds? Maybe. Uh, mm. But we didn't get to that point. Ooh, that would have been fun, though, to have, like, monster v. monster. Yeah, and we Godzilla just have to escape Kong. that way. Yeah. <laughs> Saved Man wants to know on that note, um, Eric, were you expecting the party to exit the Grove with two additional characters you now have to voice and keep track of? One's a dog, to be fair. Well, <laughs> well, he says, I'm sure the puppy won't go far from Troy's bosom, which is very funny. Um, yes, I really want to talk about this, please. Uh, yes, the rest of Save Man's question actually never occurred to me, which is, um, on a gameplay note, it seems like a lot of the GMs I listen to try and avoid having NPCs that are a part of the party. I figure that's because it's hard to play, but also seems like it could be a good way for a GM to nudge the story in specific directions. I'm wondering what your thoughts on it, and for the rest of the crew, how do you feel about the GM having a, quote, sleeper agent in your group? It's a good question. Yeah. I think it brings a little tension to the group, especially with Havana's current trajectory. It's very fun. But I also, this feels to me like when you are playing a RPG game and you, or like, for example, Baldur's Gate, where you like meet a character and then they're like, all right, well, I live in your base camp now so we can bring Gloria back to the hold. She doesn't have to necessarily come on missions with us or anything, but now she's like another character who's there. Yeah, 100%. This was the cult of the lamb stuff I was getting at with you having a hold in the first place. He's like, well, you're building a pirate crew. If you feel like adding more people to a pirate crew, then you're going to have more NPCs. Like, it shouldn't be my choice. DM NPCs are something you're supposed to avoid at, like, all costs as a good DM. Like, don't do it. You then end up railroading or they end up being overpowered and your players rely on the DMPC. (laughs) That's not the case with them, Ben. (laughs) No, not with them, which is why your companions are certainly underpowered for this exact reason. Like, you don't want to lean on them too hard. But, yeah, no, I think it's it's up to you. The best version of this, I think, would be Balnor from the first campaign of Not Another D&D Podcast, Mm -hmm. where he was just, like, a dude who is there who also like had a distinct personality from everyone else like had his own backstory he was like pulled out of time and space and put into the party which was really funny and he also leveled up with the crew which was they did it with D&D leveling up but that's what the whole skill tree is for so yeah I think I think that's what I'm trying to do I don't want to nudge it in any particular direction it's more like look at all these tools you have at your disposal if you want to bring them with you that's fine but like again if you start collecting people like Pokemon then I'm gonna be like okay guys Let's let's stop. <laughs> let's stop this. You don't want us to yeah. have an entire Greenfolk army? 
every time we go on a mission? I'd be like, okay, no, I don't want to go on adventures with you. And then <laughs> we just leave. Yeah, like that's, you know, it, we're, we're not antagonists here. We're building, we're building fun together, which involves tension. And so if, uh, you know, if Eric were to have a DMPC that was like pushing us to do something, that wouldn't be fun or tense for any of us. Once again, I need to apologize that I made Havana follow the path. That's on me. And I shouldn't <laughs> have pushed true. the game in that direction. That's You're on right. me. I shouldn't have done it. It's You're true. absolutely I shouldn't right. have done it. I think I'm though, a bad DM. In in our specific scenario, one we have a thir- three person party, which like is a is a little bit short. So like we need a healer, like a true healer. I think mm-hmm. you know. I think I don't know if Troy does, but two of us have healing stuff, but Troy does not. Um, but we don't have a true healer, just you know, which is classic for us. And I I think there's something like when you're a player, and maybe maybe tell me if you guys feel differently but like when you're a player you're sort of like looking to the gm to, to make the thing move like the story move and like like figure out what sort of emotional impact your characters go through like you're less looking to your other players because you're like on the same couch with them so a dm npc that's underpowered like you know that doesn't really affect the actual like trajectory of the of the party but is there to point out like hey you remember when uh, player A did something shitty to player B? Deal with that. You know what I mean? I guess I don't want, but like, I don't want a character to do that. That's what I'm saying. Is like, I want you to talk to the story. Don't talk to Havana about that. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I don't want them to be there for. Like, mm. be like, Havana, solve my problems. <laughs> and Havana's like, no, what? No, well, it's not solve away. my problem. It's just like, it's, and I'm not saying you're doing this. I'm just saying, like, in general, I think it could be useful it doesn't have to be someone on your party it could be a shopkeep you know but like you know someone to point out like the the interpersonal stuff between players is sometimes useful because you sort of get like blinders on when you're a player in my opinion at least I think in our case, that is the audience, Uh, like all of the, you know, the people kind of identifying potential tensions, things that could be happening, you know, uh, like we have so many questions about like, what are you going to do about Havana? Just as a representative example, you know, Sebalicious is like, what, like, what, what are you going to do? Like, if you, even if you kill him, then probably Audrey's going to bring it back and he knows all about you guys. Like there's, you know, there are people watching and asking and listening. And for me, when I feel tempted to like, let something slide or be like, let me worry about that later. Uh, (laughs) There are, you know, there are people watching the threads that we are dropping versus the ones that we're picking up. Uh, Maybe in the home game, that's different. Again, all my experience has been here on a microphone with people listening. Um, But that's that's not like a danger that I I feel we're sort of in front of. Yeah, Yeah, I think the listener reaction to Havana is really interesting because, again, my perspective is always like Cammy is actively trying to see the best in everyone and is not going to like do anything to Havana unless it is explicitly stated that like Havana is trying to kill them or Havana has taken an action and is not going to feel remorse of any kind about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that is why Cammy is like so not chill about it but is not like starting direct conflict about it you know what i mean mm-hmm. i actually felt very similarly and live in color said if the grove makes you tell the truth why did no one make havana not lie about the salt circle and the answer is because troy didn't want to force the issue troy wanted to give havana an opportunity to say something wanted to gather data on his own to have a suspicion or not but saying to havana 
you know, did you betray us, means telling Havana that we thought he might betray us. Right. And if that's not true, that sucks. Yeah. Um, and so it's very similar. Imagine having that conversation with a friend in, in real, real life, life. being like, say, did yeah. you steal mm-hmm. from me? And yeah. then that person's like, why would you what think fuck, I stole right? from you? Why do you think that's something that I would even do? Yeah, exactly. That's such a trope, too. I mean, for all things where you tell the truth is like, yeah, why would you ask me that and look offended is a classic choice to make to say when you're being held on, on gunpoint like that. Yeah, right, but yeah. is there more you want to say, Eric, about the DMPC of it all? No, I yeah, it's... I've been thinking about this a lot because I've been playing a lot of first-person action RPGs now that I have a PS5. <laughs> uh, I've played Spider-Man 2 and God of War Ragnarok. Um, and the similarity between an actual play and a AAA single-player RPG is very, very, very similar. And here's a great example. When you're playing God of War Ragnarok, this was a notorious thing from a few years ago, so this is not a, spo- this is not a spoiler in any way. This probably came up a lot, and now I'm playing it now. Uh, you might notice that in there are when you need to find something for a puzzle, which has very I I don't like the puzzles in God of War Ragnarok. They're very finicky. But like shit is yellow, like a a set of stairs or a, a gear or a ladder that's yellow, right? And that is something that is in game design to tell you to look at this. It's very subtle, and the game itself is trying to push you forward. There is another thing that happens, which is when if you don't get a puzzle quick enough, your companion, your son or this guy, or Mimir, who is a head on a rope, uh, is like, oh, have you thought about this? That's the what DMPCs. People yes. fucking hate it mm. when characters go, hey, have you thought about this? Yes. And that's if the DMPC did that, you would be like either lean on it too hard or dis- or be sh- or go shut up. Because the DMPC is always going to be lower status than the PC, right? And that's what I'm trying to do. Is like I would much rather... Let the game design and the details and you asking Eric questions be that because that's how you play the game, not Mm -hmm. a DMPC being like, hey, have you uh, thought about this? It's different closer for what Brandon's saying of like a a character being like, hey, you guys have a lot of fucking tension. Can you deal with it? Can you deal with that right now? Which is what I did with Harold. So Mm -hmm. uh, that's fair for interpersonal things that PCs also like good players don't want inter-party conflict. Like that's fair. So a, a NPC giving you permission to do that is fair. But it's like in terms of story or plot or puzzle solving, I would much rather you talk to Eric or find the yellow ladder than a DMPC saying, hey, have you thought about this? Mm-hmm. Same. Uh, Brandon, Amanda Maz had an interesting question for you. Do you have tips for self-regulating when things go like the end of episode 30 and your roles are not cooperating? I know we all, again, we laugh, we say classic, we say what the fuck is happening with you, <laughs> but uh, do you want to talk at all about your experience in those moments? That was like inside the actor's studio where James Lipton is like, is Bart here? Could Bart? Could Bart? <laughs> could you bring Bart out? You were like, Brandon, are the bad rolls here? Can you bring the bad rolls? I'm, I'm inviting them. I'm inviting them Can in. Can the bad rolls come to the table? I mean, I think it's it's helpful if you're a player or a DM to be like, yeah, that was a tight idea. I wish it would have worked. I'm so sorry. Or like, not even sorry. Mm. Just like, man, like saying that was a cool idea and a good thought. That's what matters. It doesn't matter if it actually happens or not. But it's like. If you yeah. spend some time thinking up a fun, interesting, you know, uh, unique thing to do, if that then fails, you don't care if it fails or not. You just want to be like, yeah, that was a cool idea, man. <laughs> you know, 
there are things you need to give people. That's why I use power so much. Like, hey, you can just do this. So the whole thing about Umby getting yeeted and then using the Slow his fall. big hat yeah. to fly down and see more of the labyrinth and get a point. Like, yeah, there you go. Do it. Like, I'm yes, that's a great idea. Give the point. The problem was you did it again and then you failed the roll. Like the second time you got to roll for it, but the first time I'm not going to make you roll on that. Yeah, yeah. True, true. But otherwise, the uh, tip is um, go to some anger management classes, really learn how to mediate the wellspring within yourself about failure. Mm-hmm. It helps to do five years of a podcast where you roll badly every time. <laughs> True. Fair, 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 fair. True. Uh, let's talk about the puppies, guys. Laura wants to know if each of you got one of the pups. What kind would it be and what would you name it? And Katya wants to know, Eric, why specifically did you want Troy to have the pumpkin puppy? I know the answer, but do, let's let Katya know. Was it vibes or do they all have different powers? It was the fall and I wanted you to have the pumpkin. The pumpkin puppy was the one I came up with first. I Thanks. Don't know. Mm-hmm. I thought it was mm-hmm. nice. Julia Brandon, who stood out to you? Straw puppy. <sighs> That's adorable. I also shout out to my cattail puppy. I thought mm. that was really cute. Yeah, That was cute. Mm-hmm. I love that too cute dude there were also other opportunities you could have come up with anything anything that would have fit and you could have had a puppy but i you gave it to me so i gave you the one that i came up with first yeah Yeah. can i say something first yeah hey this is a tip for all you dms out there when someone rolls a one put in an intrusive thought in the character's head (laughs) (laughs) it's true don't have to use the spell (laughs) it's not a failure it's it's you're not making them poop themselves and they don't have to do anything about that thought but they are going to start thinking about that thought aren't they they really are. Uh, and it. this was like, listen, I, I also think episode 30 was an all-timer of joining the party, but also I spent the entire thing fucking around and like uh, screaming about homophones. So <laughs> I, I feel like I can't judge. And on that topic, Qual101995 said, who's going to tell Troy that the bow of a ship and a crossbow, <laughs> the bow of a crossbow mm-hmm. are spelled the same. Uh, but I also want to know, why don't we have enough words that there's one of each? It, it makes no sense at all. <laughs> so funny. Makes me laugh. So stu- I forgot that you led with that. That was the first thing. In yeah, the we started recording and I said, shut up, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> and it just it just came to me. But guys, I'm so excited to get to know this puppy more. Haven't named them. Got some good suggestions. Uh, we'll see what happens. And, you know, normally I, I shout out the kind of listener interaction I want to see more of in the world. And when you guys DM me on Instagram about stuff about work i'm like uh, it can be a little tough but you know that's that's me being a semi-public figure uh this is an iconic interaction i would never change for the world this is uh dame ohaha who said on instagram uh, i woke up to two instagram messages okay they were sent uh 25 minutes apart first <laughs> bs eric wouldn't give you a new oat cake 25 minutes later I was too quick to judge. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. So good. You'll love to see it. You'll love to see it. Absolutely iconic. Listen, I uh, I don't know. Is this the longest con of all time to get puppies in, uh, in all three of my major campaigns? Who can say? I just need to say it took a 5% roll and a funny intrusive thought and also getting and making it happen for this to happen. Yeah. Anyone could have got a puppies. There was a puppy party in the Grove. Of course <laughs> there was. That's what it was there for. Speaking of, did you um, have that plan or was that just like a fun thing you did on the spot? The puppy party? Yeah. Yeah, I planned that one. Yeah, nice. everything that you interacted with was like there in the in the grove. Yeah, I wrote it out. Nice, so nice, good. Nice. And all and the stuff that you didn't interact with was, was in the grove as well. Oh no, Eric! I want to know. 
Well, sorry. Oops. You'll tell us later. You'll tell maybe us I'll tell, after Maybe we're I'll done. tell you. If it ever comes up, I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Sorry. No, but there is so much here. Um, Julie, anything that you're like excited or nervous about re-Gloria? I thought this was such a touching and cool and lovely scene. I was just watching it like a movie. And, you know, we'll see kind of how Gloria does in the episodes to come. But anything you want to share? I'm very curious to learn more about her. The fact that she's like an ancient hero. I want to know like how she got to the labyrinth, why she's there, why she got cursed, how she got cursed. I want. I just want to know all of her backstory because you know me. Like I'm, I'm an ancient Greek bitch, so mm-hmm. I really want to hear like <laughs> what her parallels are and like oh, yeah. you know who I can relate her to. No, I'm, I'm excited as well. And actually, Julia, one more question um, before we get into some bigger game questions and some who can say is. Uh, also from, from Amanda Maz, does Cammy consider themselves cursed? You've answered this a, a few ways to a few different people, but I wanted to ask directly. I don't think Cammy sees her powers as a curse, but I think she does also understand that like that is how people perceive her, which is part of a curse in general. Cool. And so it's it's a yes and no. Cammy doesn't think of herself as cursed, but understands that that's the perception that most people see her as. True, true. Same. Same me too, personally. Mm -hmm. From Hastor, Prince in Yellow. Is it possible the Waterer might be an antagonist? It seems to me that the Cascade could be a direct result of the Waterer acting as a vanguard or something over Verdistello. Maybe he just got tired of doing the Cascade thing and, like, left? I thought this was such a fascinating guess uh, and sort of insight into, like, the pantheon of Verdistello. Yeah. It's a cool world-building thing, and the idea that, like, maybe... I don't read that as antagonistic. I read that as maybe there's conflict in the pantheon that we don't know about. Mm. Very, very interesting. Seems neat. (laughs) This is the question I have is like, before this, we didn't have any clue that there might be a pantheon, right? It was just the planter? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Cool. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that was a big revelation. It's also really interesting because like just from like a religious perspective there is oftentimes like this idea of going from polytheism to monotheism as time goes Mm. on and the fact that the labyrinth is so much older like it's older than the cascade drying up or at least this time around Mm because there's implications that the cascade is dried up before the fact that there's something called the waterer that kami as a former religious devotee of the path had never heard of it kind of implies this idea of maybe the Pantheon has changed since the last time the Cascade dried up. I didn't put that together till just now of like when uh, I think it was you, Julia, asked like, um, how did uh, Gloria get here if the Cascade wasn't dried up? And Eric was like, huge amounts of skill. I thought you were just trying to cover up a, a like an inconsistency. But no, I think. Uh, no, 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 that no. shit's real. Gloria, yeah. okay. Gloria got in there before the Cascade dried up. Straight up. Or or at another cycle of the drying up. Because mm-hmm. we previously. know that they have the drought stones. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Who can Seems stop? cool. Seems actually, cool. Brandon, what, a, what an interesting world <laughs> that's been created. And actually, Brandon, from Am Not a Goldfish, relevant, um, is Umbi so old because he, he's the umbilical cord of Vertistello? Boo. Do not boo this man, Julia. I'm booing it. Listen, we got, this goldfish. we got some Umby Golden Bachelor fan art, so I, I can retire. Uh, absolutely incredible. Oh, yeah. I wanted to say shout out. I think it's uh, Ginger May Art. Shout out for the, that art of Umby as a Golden Bachelor. 
Jesus so Christ, it gave me so lots of good. good good feels. Well, we have some chunky folks lining up to spoil the plank. But first, um, Moss the Sunny at Rock has asked some incredible questions uh, about just the world of Verdastello uh, lately. Um, so I just I want to just sort of do a sprinkling of these. I kind of don't even want to answer these questions. I kind of like them on their own as questions. Oh, just <laughs> like, like it's for... just like wow, who can say? Who knows? Yeah. Okay, yeah. All right. Here are the here are the questions from, from Moss Sandita Rock. What is the Verticello version of the IKEA meatballs, and why are they overrated? <laughs> <laughs> I want to like hit a gong every time yeah, I read yeah. one of these. Hey Julia. Hey Julia. Thank you. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> when was the last? <laughs> when was the last time everyone had a good cry? <laughs> gong. Can green folk use their own body as an instrument? What weird bands and cults have happened because of that? <laughs> Some, I'm sure. Cool. If the answer is yes, here's another thought. <laughs> if the crew had to build a ship from scratch, how badly would it go? And why would it go wrong? Rude. I know. Moss's question is like, Moss also asked a bunch of these like, hey, sorry, I was on a train across Europe all night. Here's <laughs> the best I got. And then it was like 25 incredibly yeah. potent questions. Moss was like, I went to Ikea and then I studied for 48 hours. Here's some I'm questions. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Here you go. Like, Moss, you're doing great. You're doing great, bud. Which Taylor Swift era is each character, and what would they have done to get tickets in our world? <laughs> <laughs> Troy would have sold sperm without asking, <laughs> without asking any questions. Uh, Troy would have would have absolutely sold some bodily fluids. I mean, Ambi would have done murder. He's a fucking pirate. Yeah. Uh, and what's the outer space situation like? And how much do green folk know about it? I'm like, God damn, I got to come up with space. Yeah, it's a great That's question. A good question. You know Hot House is making a rocket somewhere. You know it. Oh, him. yeah. I promise you, unlike the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I will not be going to space. But what about <laughs> the you, Fast and you. Furious Cinematic Universe? Oh, oh, okay, then we'll only roughly go to space. Okay. <laughs> we'll suggest going to space. Can we imply that Ludacris might die in space? That's fine, yeah. <laughs> That's good. L- like Red Bull, like one of those guys who work for Red Bull who jumps from like the stratosphere. <laughs> Yeah, Felix Baumgartner puts some respect on his name, Eric. Wow, what a pull, Brandon. Wow. Absolute Damn. pull. I think that's his name. Is that something you saw on it? Brandon, what Delta flight were you on? <laughs> <laughs> There's only one that I want to answer, or rather that I want you guys to answer, which is, what is everyone's favorite tea that Cammy makes them? <laughs> the one from her hands. Aww. Wow. Yeah. Um, What's not weird? It's all weird. You know, the first thing that came to my mind, Julia, was Cammy's eyelashes. Oh, great, great, rare. Okay. I like that. It's like uh, cat whiskers. Yeah, I'm gonna say Cammy's butt. Nice. No, nice. what else? It's a hot nice. tea, if you know what I nice. mean. Nice. Let's <laughs> go. Amazing. All right. Well, thank you, Moss. Doing the Lord's work. We appreciate you. Uh, and here we go. Are you all ready to spoil the plank? Yeah. Arr. Arr. Okay. Here's from EP Fella. Will Panorama come back? Will they be smited asking for a friend? <laughs> Fair. Fair. Well, if it's for a friend, I'll tell you explicitly right now. <laughs> uh, Dr. Spurgeon, for real, would Troy have left Havana behind or the puppy? I'm putting this in in here because I mean I have an answer in my brain, but for now, who can say? Yeah. I know I'm touching on this right at the end of the episode, but I didn't want to say it's like 
I said this at some point in the Slack, but I'm like, the funny part about learning about like the Torah from Christians is the Christian is that people are like, wow, God was such a dick in the Old Testament, but now he's like a cool guy who's nice to people <laughs> in the New Testament. But I'm like, not nah, dog. God just fucking rocks, <laughs> absolutely metal as metal as fuck in the Torah. So it's like when uh, when Jacob wrestles that angel and like literally wrestles him, I find that so incredibly funny. <laughs> and interesting that like it literally happened they literally were like greco-roman wrestling and then plato came in and tapped and tapped out and like i just i find that so funny so that's kind of how i feel like the planter has been during the labyrinth like a almost not a person in the way that like the greek gods are people or have wants and needs and um get angry in our vein and stuff but like at least we'll like get in your face about it a little bit, yeah, <laughs> and, and we'll figure out ways to get in your face, which is the whole point of like the treating of the of the tree eating. If you fuck with the planter's grove, something's gonna happen to you, right? And I think that was kind of like the kind of god that I liked the plant that I kind of liked the planter to be the fuck around and find out god, the fuck around and find out god, yeah, for sure. Which is so much more interesting when that's like the only one you have instead of a panth, like only one of the gods of the pantheon is a fuck around and find out. Or like the god of tricks or something. Yeah. I imagine the angel rest before he wrestled that guy being like, Oh yeah, hold my bag and then <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> and Jacob was like, I'm not taking the bag. Yeah. But Amanda drunk in the bathroom's like, Whatever you need, sweetie. <laughs> Break up with him. Yeah. Also from Dr. Spurgeon, we have, uh, are all the keys food? Are we making stew? Potato gaze, spicy pepper hurts, sky soup, water shrug. I love this A lot idea. of, I know, it's very cool. It's very cool. Also, we had some theories about like the five different senses. So keep them coming, folks. It yeah. helps me a lot. <laughs> yeah, you. I know, right? <laughs> uh, she also asked who the puppies belong to. This is a puppy party in the Grove, folks. Don't worry about it. Why do the puppies have to belong to anyone? They're puppies. Maybe it's God, but Troy will stand between God and the puppy. Can anyone really own a puppy? Can anyone really own a puppy? Exactly. You know? But you can put the puppy on a leash and have it run around. <laughs> <laughs> Would the world know that the salmon had been found? I don't trust that everyone has the same goals. Mm. Same, Michelle. Yeah. Uh, and knowing that this key regrows, are there replica versions of the other keys out there, too? I think you explicitly said that none of the other keys regrow the way that the key for a maze does. I don't remember if I did. You well, did. Yeah. You as did. the stump. You didn't oh, say it stump. as Eric. Yeah. You said it as the stump. Oh, right. Yeah. The stump. Yeah. The stump was like, this one's special. It regrows. Yeah. yeah. But that doesn't mean there aren't other replica versions of some. Right. Because molds. we already saw that they're attempting to create replica mm -hmm. versions right. because of what we found in that overstock ship. Mm-hmm. And then a number of great spoil the planks from Glass Cat Owl. Uh, so first, was the planter's desire to get Cammy out of the maze less to do with her alleged unholiness and more due to the possibility that the nature of the maze might cause her curse to turn her into a monster like Gloria? Hmm. Monster Julia. Monster Julia. Monster Julia. <laughs> that could be fun. Mm. Man, I don't want to see Julia wielding legendary uh, reaction. <laughs> what is that called? Is that what it is? Legendary resistance. Yeah, yeah. Legendary yes, yes, resistance, yes. Yeah. Uh, nasty. I love it. Yeah. And we got a number of great spoiled planks from Glass Cat Owl, uh, starting with what did Gloria's full monster form look like? 
Oh, I can actually say this. Uh, Gloria was going to be a giant, weird mushroom person. Cool. That's what I figured. Like in The Last of Us kind of situation? More, even bigger and larger, mm. the comparison that I made was Plasmus that you might remember from Teen Titans, who also became a weird uh, monster when this person woke up uh, and was like awake. Uh, but yeah, it would have been just like a terrifying, it would have been like a real scary monster. So then there would have been two different types of monsters following you around in the labyrinth. That would have been yeah. dope, though. I'm into that. Very scary. Kind of like uh, Godzilla, and she deserves some respect <laughs> on her name. An incredible joke, Brandon. I'm going to do that for the rest of my life. <laughs> what did Havana talk to his Jim Jam about? It wasn't <laughs> her. <laughs> what did he talk to her about? And was it her cussing him out for betraying Cammy? Who can say? I think it was just like, Jim Jam, you didn't give me the full recipe. Like, you left out something. Please tell me the recipe for your pie. I know I'm a doctor, Jim Jam. I know. Men can be doctors. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, what would have happened if Cammy's healing herself in the grove had been disrupted by holy energy or whatever Eric was rolling for? Would the spell have failed or were there other negative consequences? Hmm. Who can say 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 where the answer is? I certainly can't. (laughs) Only Eric can. I was wondering so much, like, at that moment when Havana was like, uh, no, I can't heal you. Sorry. Um, I'm broken. Uh, this is out of order. The shake machine is out of order. (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering, I was wondering so much what Brandon and Havana were going to do with that. Uh, Troy's a father now, so he he can't focus on anything but the wiggling newborn in his jacket. Uh, speaking of which, uh, the puppy that I've been uh, keeping in my windbreaker the whole time uh, does need to go play. So yeah. uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get on out of here, folks. Oh no, the puppy's in the turkey again. Oh no! no. Oh, no. Bye. <laughs> Later. Bye. May your rolls trend ever upward. Let's go.